Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome, folks. Welcome to a very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. I'm very excited about today's episode. Today's episode is a bit different. I'm bringing on not just one, but two guests uh, onto today's show. I think it's going to be a super powerful show to kick off the year. So get ready. Make sure you have a, a notepad and, and a pen ready because I think it's going to be packed full of gems. Um, as you know, I love bringing on people from all walks of life. And today I get to introduce you to someone you I've had on Soul Talk before. Someone you know has been a, a real inspiration to me. The man is a legend himself. He needs doesn't need much of an introduction. Uh, the first one is Mark Victor Hansen, Chicken Soup for the Soul. I mean, the list goes on. You know who he is. We're going to be diving deep with Mark into all themes around prosperity and abundance. Um, but we have something special. Um, I'm going to be introducing you to an amazing human being who I'm just having the, the opportunity to meet, Xavier Iconcota. Um, he is the creator of XavierSoulStreams.com. He's a metaphysician, inspirational musician, and voice artist. He served as a minister for over 40 years, and uh, he's the son of someone who I consider a true legend, a true pioneer, someone who's inspired me tremendously. We're going to get into that as well. Uh, the amazing Reverend Ike. So Xavier, Mark, welcome to Soul Talk. It's our delight to be here. I'll just tell you, what a nice introduction. Thank you, dear friend. It's great to have you both. Uh, before the show started, I was just telling Xavier that uh, he didn't know, but his father, Reverend Ike, was uh, a huge inspiration. There are a few folks that, you know, I, I started reading self-help books when I was age eight. Well, when I was 10, uh, I went to my father's bookshelf and uh, everyone knows that my father had 300 churches in Ghana, had a huge church in London, 5,000 people every Sunday. So I'd sneak into my father's bookshelf and I would pick books off of his bookshelf. And there was one book, I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, The Science of, 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 of Healing, The Science of Healing, Success, Prosperity. It was a green. All I remember was it was a green and yellow book by a man called Reverend Ike. Correct mm -hmm. me on the title. But let me tell you, folks, as a 10-year-old kid, I read this book morning, noon, and night. Then through my father, I got to listen to these audio tapes of this man who was like visionary, pioneer, like so much of, I think, the sort of abundance, prosperity, law of attraction teaches, teachings today. Uh, stem back to the amazing Reverend Ike. And so this man inspired me. I, I was telling Xavier that I got to meet Reverend Ike when I was 14, when I saved up all my money. And uh, as a 14-year-old kid, flew to a spiritual conference in Miami held by the amazing Johnny Coleman, who was uh, a metaphysician from Chicago. And I got to meet Reverend Ike there. And so it is, I can't tell you folks, it's, uh, it's an honor, it's a privilege, it's a joy. I'm very excited to meet Reverend Ike's son. Xavier, and we're about to dive into some amazing concepts today. There's a new book out, Reverend Ike, Autobiography. There we go, Reverend Ike, Autobiography. I, I just ordered this book, and can you believe it? It hasn't arrived yet, but I, I feel the transmission of the book. Uh, if you haven't, folks, if you, if you don't know of Reverend Ike, let me tell you, you need to know about this man. He was, I mean, he was so unusual. He was, he was so... Um, there's so many folks that kind of like are copycats of, of people, but this man was one of a kind. So get the book, Reverend Ike, An Extraordinary Life. I'm, I'm excited to dive into this man's life. Welcome, both of you. Oh, thank you. And, and by the way, I'm sorry you don't know the book yet, but Xavier and I have done our homework and the book is a bestseller and it's sold out a lot of places and have gone into a second to third reprint. So we are concurrently more than blessed and we're thankful because 
the book, Reverend Ike, I, I've thought about and thought about because we've spent three years writing it, but it's actually a spiritual journey of every man and every woman to come out of lack. And, and you know, in my case, I was hopeless and he gave me hope. I was helpless and he gave me help. We're talking about 50 years ago now. Yeah, yeah. I was despondent, disconsolate and suicidal. And he gave me a future that that has been unbelievable. I don't think there'd be chicken soup for the soul and a half billion yeah. books sold and a billion at, at uh, licensing that I've created without the great Reverend Ike, who I came in as a student, mentor, mentee, friend, colleague, and somebody who hired him at my own seminar. So I am, I and then to work with Xavier has just been a, a beyond oh. treat. And I got to sneak in his mom and wife because they are just great ladies that have, that have helped out beyond, beyond, along with my wife. Wow. How did you meet? How did you meet Reverend Ike, Mark? I mean, let me ask. It, 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 it's 19. How did you meet him? And what was your, like the first time you met him, what, what was your experience? It was, it was 1974. I was bankrupt upside down, $2 million so low. I had to reach up to touch bottom. Uh, I was started working at the world headquarters of Dale Carnegie Institute, Think and Grow, uh, not Think and Grow Rich, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. We went to see Norman Vince Peel in the morning. In the afternoon, we were going up to Reverend Ike, these guys, and and there's 5,000 people there, and they're alive, alert, enthusiastic, singing, dancing. But this is the most immaculately dressed human being, yeah. and he is hitting my spiritual spark plug saying, hey, uh, this is different than I grew up in Lutheran Baptist Church because this guy's saying, hey, there's fundamental abundance for all of us. It's God's, you're God's child and you have God in you. And if God's infinite, then you're made in the likeness of the infinite. You're supposed to go do infinite amounts of good and health, happiness, joy, success, prosperity, and have infinite amounts of money. I never heard any of that stuff before, but it's all biblical. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I can go through everything he said, as can Xavier. And um, and I'm sure you can, and your dad probably did too when he was back in London. So, you know, God bless, but it's a different evolution, a different revelation, a different insight, and it's a soul journey. All of us got to break out of the matrix of poverty and, and sickness and illness, and, and Reverend Ike just took me places I didn't know were even possible to go. Mm. Xavier, I'm curious. I have, I have so many questions for you, Xavier. The first one I want to start with is... For those that don't know, like from a new generation, they don't know who Reverend Ike is, right? Um, if we said, who was Reverend Ike, what would, what would you say? Wow, man. You know, <laughs> Reverend Ike, and happy MLK Day, by the way. You know, yes. on this day when we celebrate an incredible pioneer of social justice who helped liberate so many people in that social sphere. My dad was an incredible liberator of minds. He liberated souls. He was uh, an inspirer of the spirit, a liberator of the spirit. And he helped break shackles on people's minds. And he did that through helping people understand the idea of God in us, God in you, God in me, God in us. That was the keynote of his philosophy. So he was a man, yes, an evangelist who preached to millions of people around the world through radio, TV and selling out, you know, stadiums across the U.S. like Madison Square Garden. And um, but he was a metaphysician. Mm. He taught the deep esoteric meanings of scripture and the life of Jesus as an example for every human being. He taught that we are all sons and daughters of God, that Jesus wasn't just something special 2,000 years ago uh, or had some special relationship with, with God that no other human being did. But he actually, Christ, spoke on behalf of all human beings. My, I and my father are one. And that's what he wanted to teach us. So that's what, how my dad took the teachings of the Bible and the scripture, applied them first to himself, applied them to his life. And because his belief, I am son of God, that means I deserve every good thing that the creator has created. And also as a son of God, I have been created by my source to also be a creator. And I have powers to deploy in this world for the good of myself, my family, my friends, the entire world, everyone. So, you know, my dad was a pioneer. He was a revolutionary, but I call him an evolutionary because he advanced this idea in this cause of human dignity and worth based on the principle of the divinity within the human being. You know, Martin. How, he, how did he? How, I'm curious. Like, how did he come to this 
realization? Was there, you know, was there a moment? I mean, he was a minister. I don't know. Did he start out this way or he kind of started a bit more orthodox? Was there a moment where he had an awakening, a Satori, an enlightenment moment? Like, because this is not the stuff we're taught in church, that the typical as we know it. Um, so what was the moment? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, some of it had to do with pushback on the milieu he grew up in, which was the traditional, uh, you know, uh, his own mother, for example, believed that black people were put on the earth to suffer and we would get our rewards in heaven. That just didn't sit well with my dad because it was painful. It's a painful existence when you live not knowing and understand what your true worth is. Mm. And so the pain that his mother inflicted on him through that, the pain, the self-masochism he saw her inflicting on herself through that, um, he just, he did not believe that a loving God, a truly loving father would sentence the children that he loved to a yeah. lifetime of pain, suffering, and poverty. And poverty was hell for him. And he says that he's like, you know, he talks about poverty. He said, I've been there and I'm glad I'm out, you know, because it was a hell. And to him, it was this hell of poverty, suffering uh, and pain that he wanted to help uh, deliver people from the afterlife. You know, the great by and by that's all taken care of. You, when you die, you reconnect with source. But how about living in a wonderful, abundant state of oneness with source right here and right now? So he had visions and he had ideas, even as a young child, that ran counter to what he was learning from the old time religion, which is a remnant, I will say, of, you know, the slave master stuff put on black people to keep them down. Wow. Mark, this is, this is for you, Xavier, you can dive into this one as well. Um, if someone is listening to this, Mark, and they're feeling like, this sense of not feeling worthy. Like they generally don't feel worthy of abundance, of prosperity. Maybe intellectually they they hear it. Okay, I'm a child of God. I'm a son, daughter of the divine, but I don't feel it. What, what can they do to, to, to shift that internal sense of feeling? Maybe Mark, you can start. I, I, I love the question. Because that's exactly where I was. I was ready to, to be suicidal. And, and there are a lot of people that are hanging on by their fingernails now. They can't get it together. And, and Xavier, I'll talk for him on this one. We wrote this book because Reverend Ike would take people out of despondency, out of disconsolence. And the way he did it is with thought and feeling. He said, you got to have the fulfillment to get the fulfillment to get to where you want. But starting with what you got to know what you want. Right. Jesus said, pray is of the thing for which you're praying has been received. And you got to take ownership of that in an emotional feeling. He called a fulfillment. And, you know, he said, tell your feelings how to feel, tell your thinking how to think. And you ordain your destiny. Well, I've never heard that kind of stuff. And you've got to turn off all the negative news, all the crisis news network, all the uh, soul crushing network stuff and, and plug in. And I was listening to his tapes on a full time basis like you were. And, you know, I hung with him for seven years. There wasn't a wow. Sunday I was in New York that, that I didn't attend because, uh, you know, this was life-changing stuff, stuff I'd never heard before. And mm. I fell in love with everybody in the church, everyone in the church. I, I, if, you, if I don't mind my over-generalizing, uh, I don't think I'm exaggerating because I taught at his business, a leaving institute, because he kept elevating me. I went from have-notness to have-ness, and in three weeks' time, I'm back earning money again, buy a new Chrysler Cordoba car, which was a car of cars with a Corinthian leather and all that. And I showed it to him. I drove him in. The, the point is we had a ball together, but he was escalating people's souls. He elevated and got them to ascend in awareness because that's what Christ said is, is that, you know, you're supposed to go to higher states, draw an eye to me and I'll draw an eye to you. And I first 50 times I heard him say that. I thought, what in the heck is he talking about? Because, you know, Christ was the greatest metamagician, metaphysician, in universe and the top for those of you that are in the physical world my teacher in my doctoral program is bucky fuller his teacher is albert einstein einstein said the height of physics is metaphysics because you got to understand e equals mc square to get the whole program right mm -hmm. it's thinking when you because 3d space then you go to 40 which xavier and i talk about but then you go to instant manifestation in fifth dimension which is one more thing is that 
Reverend Ike would teach all the time, my house has many mansions, well, in many rooms, and it's misinterpreted in the Bible. It's really many dimensions, because the infinite is omnidimensional, not uh, linearly dimensional. It's not, if you learn the truth, you know the truth, what Reverend Ike was teaching is truth with a capital T. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, absolutely. And so... Over heavy concepts fast, because I love it so much, and so does Xavier. We could spend the next eight hours. <laughs> so Xavier, uh, what would Reverend Ike say about someone who they, they just don't feel, they don't feel worthy. Yeah. They're like, I hear all of that, but I, I still don't freaking feel worthy. Yeah. I don't feel it. I mean, I'm, t- I'm doing the affirmations. I'm looking myself in the mirror, but I don't feel it. What, 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 what do they do? Yes. I love the question. I mean, we have to reclaim what I call our I image, right? Understanding that we were made in the image of li- and likeness of God, the I am that I am. That I am, that I am, it's divine, it's whole, it's beautiful, it's goodness, it, it's true, it's a hundred million percent worthy. So we need to reclaim that. And, you know, one of the ways that I do, for example, I reclaim that divine image of myself. I believe it. We're created in the image and likeness of God. First of all, God does not make garbage. God created me. I am worth something. Damn it. Let's, so let's not play the worthless game. That's one thing my dad would say. Hmm. When you are feeling or calling yourself worthy, you're blaspheming because you are putting something negative on I am. When you hmm. say I am unworthy, that's blasphemy. You're taking the name of God, which is I am, in vain. Hmm. I am good. I am beautiful. I am true. And it's not, yes, affirmations are important, but it's resonating with the energy and the essence that is in fact within you, that is designed, divine. One of the ways I personally work with it a lot is with the breath. I reclaim my I image, the image of me as a divinely created being on the breath as I breathe in. You can't deny the breath, right? The breath is in you. The breath is who you are. The breath has been breathed into you by God. It's written, God breathed the breath of life into the human being. The human being became a living soul. You can take that out of scriptural context, put it in scientific if you want to. Okay, the molecules and atoms of of oxygen keep us going. Whatever it is, there's an animating force within you that is giving you life in this moment. That's nothing to sneeze at. If I'm going to throw that away, that's mm-hmm. just, I am creating a grievous act of, of sin. And I don't generally use that word, but I will use that word. Just meaning that I'm missing the whole thing. I, I, God, breathe the breath of life. So as I breathe in, that breath of life fills me with more life. Every breath is an opportunity to, to receive more of God which is the essence of who I am. The breath animates me and it keeps me alive. Just listening to songs from my dad last night, because I'm just starting to record the audio book. Wow. And so we're going to use hopefully some cues of him singing and, and some of his great quotes to kind of mark the beginning of each chapter. And one of the songs he loved to sing was, it's all over me, it's keeping me alive. Uh-huh. It's keeping me alive. The spirit of God sustains each one of us at every moment. What more sense of worth do you need? God is breathing into you now. Mouth, mouth to mouth resuscitation <laughs> from the divine at every moment. Yeah. yeah. Of Powerful. course I'm worthy. Of course you're worthy. Yeah. Powerful. Folks, you heard it. Wow, your innate sense of being is is divine. It's what we are, right? So it's living and breathing us every moment. Um, there's two questions I want to pose to the both of you. Actually, before I do that, um, Xavier, I'm curious from a preach from a preacher's kid to another preacher's kid. Yeah. Um, what was it like being his son? What was it like? being his kid in reality you know like behind the scenes 
Like, mm-hmm. I'm curious, like, what was it like? Yeah, sure. I mean, and I was so surprised. I have, I've been having a great time reading your audio book and watching some of your interviews. And when I heard, you know, you were son of a famous <laughs> healer preacher as well, it just blew me away, the resonance there. Yeah. But um, yeah, being my father's son, it was a mixed bag, right? It mm-hmm. had its advantages and its disadvantages. Advantages like, you know, I show up to the apartment in New York City one day to meet Muhammad Ali. And, you know, that's just incredible. How, how often does something like that happen in your life? That just an incredible. So experiences like that, which are just beyond the beyond, right? Mm-hmm. Have time sitting at the table eating with Muhammad Ali. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then there's the part that I know you relate to. Dad wasn't home much. Yeah. And that was hard on me. That was really, really hard. Because, you know, the sense of self-worth we were talking about earlier, um, a lot of that um, I know for sons, for daughters as well, but I would say in a unique way with sons, a lot of that sense of self-worth, the I am worthiness is rooted in that relationship with the father and how attentive and careful the father is. Mm. There's never any question my father loved me. But he wasn't there. I didn't have that day-to-day attention. So that's a wound, you know, that I carried for a very long time. And I became, I would say, estranged, emotionally estranged from him. And, um, you know, because I was fending for myself emotionally and, you know, on a day-to-day basis. And, of course, he provided everything I need. Here we go. Another huge asset of having Reverend Ike for a father. I never wanted for anything. Physically, I grew up having the best of everything, whether it's clothing, whether it's education, you name it, I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonderful, you know, grew up in a great place on the Long Island Sound, on the, you know, surrounded by the water and nature, and what a fantastic gift. And his not being there had a tremendous impact on me. Mm-hmm. And so I had to work through a lot of psychological stuff because he wasn't around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, you know, Growing into adolescence and wanting to really be my own person, yes. there was this thing, again, I know you, you were <laughs> been born to take something over that feels bigger than you, almost like, you know, your destiny's decided before yeah. you were born by someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we do decide destiny, but we do that in conference with our souls, our higher selves, our spirits. We decide and choose that destiny, I do believe, before we were born. But mm-hmm. when somebody huge like, you know, uh, you know, a father of ours decides what that destiny is going to be that has huge impact. So we fought when I came of age. Uh, <laughs> so that was tough. And that's, um, you know, all of that's in the book. I talk about all of that. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, we had we had our, our shouting match. <laughs> he, almost, he almost disowned me at one point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, really interesting. I can't, I can't wait to read, read this, uh, read more about this in the book. Beautiful. Um, if someone is in a moment um, and they're saying, okay, it's all great, but I'm broke. Mark, easy for you to say now. You sold 500 million, a billion, whatever, chicken soup for the souls. You're mega, you know. Xavier, you grew up rich. You grew up with a wealthy father. Um, if someone is listening and they're saying, my reality, current reality right now is <clears throat> I'm negative in the bank or I'm, I'm like, I got $30 in the bank. My rent is due tomorrow or my rent is due in a few days. I, I, I need a miracle. Like I need, how can someone listening to this conversation, what can you guide them, teach them that would help them access, you know, be open to a miracle? something miraculous when it comes to money, prosperity, like what can they do? Okay. So first of all, there's a million ways to make a million and there's one right, easy, acceptable way to each and every one of us, What you got to go is go to that infinite in you. And tonight, before you go to bed, you go a hundred times and say, God in me, what is my way to make the money tomorrow? God in me, what is my way to make the money tomorrow? And when I did that, when I was bankrupt, $2 million upside down, you know, I said, Okay, God, what do you want me to do? And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to, be able to speak to people that care about, talk to people that care about things that matter and make a life-changing difference. Next morning, I go to my three roommates in Hicksville, Long Island, New York, 
So I'm not styling her profile. I'm sleeping in a sleeping bag and sitting in front of somebody's room wow. for six months. So I have wow. not got it together at all. And I got a $400 pitted window, permanently air-conditioned Volkswagen. So mm-hmm. I, I, one of the guys says, well, look, there's this young kid like you. Because I said, I don't want a medical doctor. I don't want a lawyer. I don't want a Broadway star, a celebrity. Tell me where to go. And they said, go out to Hicksville, listen to this guy, talk to the realtors. And real estate was 18% interest, higher than it is now. Wow. In the doldrums. And he took the most gloomy, dead audience I've ever seen. You see, the old question is, can you raise the dead like Lazarus? Man, this guy raised the dead. I went up to him and I asked him, I said, Chip, will you teach me how to do this? He said, look, go get a real business. One in a thousand, you'll make it. I said, let me decide whether I can make it. Mm-hmm. Right. And and uh, he told me exactly what to do. Do the life insurance, stay out of real estate. He also trained Barbara Cochran on, on Shark Tank at the same time. So, you know, the point is. I went out and knocked on 10 doors. One said yes. And then the guy gave me a directory to all the life insurance companies. He was a head of Metropolitan uh, Agents Association, number one guy in the number one insurance company in America. Knocked on doors 10 a day and did four talks a day for the next three years. Only Tony Robbins and I did that much because you got to do ass busting behavior. If you want to get out of where you are, you got to shut off the negative news and go. Reverend Ike could say prosperity is something that you do. Right. It is something you have. But he, he always said you got to be it to do it, to have it. The B is go inside your deeper, innermost, higher, most infinite mind and say, what is it is my miraculous God given talent? Mm-hmm. Then you got to say, how am I going to do it? And then you can uh, go out and figure out who you'll do it with, because there's somebody, you know, the Bible says that your answer is nearer than your breath, nearer than your hands and feet. That's true. But you got to be in tune with the infinite, which is what Reverend Ike personally was and got the rest of us to be. Mm-hmm. Got it. Was that clear enough? Yes, beautiful. Xavier, any thoughts to add? Yeah, definitely. Um, so if someone's in financial crisis, uh, needs something right away, the first thing I would say is ask for help. You know, mm-hmm. think of who you can ask for that would be willing to help because, you know, a lot of people are willing to, to help these days. Mm-hmm. So ask for help. But in terms of, um, you know, a longer range strategy, you know, my father, um, he grew up in abject poverty. Mm. When his dad and his mother split, his father was unfortunately very spiteful and did not uh, support my father financially. There were times when my father didn't have seven cents uh, to buy school lunch. Wow. Um, My father didn't have shoes. He walked miles to school every day, miles back. Uh, Sometimes he didn't have food to eat. Um, So he came up that way in destitution. Longer term strategy. um, If you look at how my father did it in this book, how he surmounted poverty, how he took himself out of it, first of all, by reclaiming that sense of divine worth, the I am image. Yeah, I'm one with God. I have the father within who loves me. Um, and from that flows an understanding that there's certain powers that we have, you know, another mm-hmm. key to his success, I would say, number one is understanding God in me. Number two is he harnessed the power that flows therefore from God. One of those powers that we all have, Mark was saying, alluding to is the power of imagination. Mm-hmm. So my father is a little boy. He'd be lying, uh, in bed at night. Imagining, projecting on the wall, these scenes of lavish parties that he would throw in his house, Mm -hmm. Um, the abundance of food, the abundance of love, the abundance of friends and family in these places. And he would get into the full feeling, as Mark Mm -hmm. mentioned before, full feeling of it. He would say full feeling brings fulfillment. So when we harness that power of our imagination and start directing that energy, we can understand that that's an actual God power we're using. And reality will begin to magnetize and crystallize along those lines of force that you're putting out with your imagination and begin to precipitate your reality differently. That's one of the great mysteries that we get into in the book, how that the the whole manifestation works. Mm -hmm. And my dad used that power and he taught many how to do this. And that's in the book. Third piece and the third key to my dad's success. Using that power, then you deploy it in the world. You know, you understand that it's a gift 
and you discover your other gifts. Like my dad and your father obviously had a tremendous gift of healing. Um, he also had um, a gift of communicating uh, about spirituality to people. So he harnessed those gifts. He worked them. And we show in the book what he did to develop certain mm -hmm. of these talents and abilities. I am one with God. I am 100% worthy. I have talent and ability, one of which God powers, like my imagination. I use that to recreate um, the image of who and what I can be in the world based on who, how God sees me and who I truly am in God. And thirdly, I'm going to develop my talents. Fourthly, deploy them in the world for the benefit of people um, that I want to help and bless. So when you do this, there's no way that you're not going to be completely blessed uh, by the world and by the universe. So for me, this book lays out a roadmap, a journey. Uh, I think Mark said that earlier. It's, it's, it's every person's potential journey into success and prosperity. Wow. The prosperity for me is about inhabiting our bounty. Right. All of these wonderful gifts that were given by God by really owning that, inhabiting that. And from that, true abundance flows become because we come like this incredible tree, right? Planted by the rivers of water that brings forth this incredible fruit in all seasons. Mm -hmm. And we're blessed. And we bless others by the fruit that we brew forth. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. You mentioned the gift of healing. Um, can you tell me a bit about that as it relates to your father? Yeah, because yeah. seemed like, uh, and this is the part I hear less about, but it seemed like there was some sort of mirac miracles that that also did unfold around him. It wasn't just, you know, the the the, the, the prosperity or the Rolls Royce, or you know, it was there. There was some some real real healings that happened. So I'm, I'm curious, can you share more about the gift of healing that he had and th things that you saw? Yes, yes. Same with you, Mark. I'm curious what you saw also. You and Leeds are here? Sure, sure. Yeah, my dad developed these healing abilities. Uh, developed? Yes. Early in his ministry, he was very intrigued by what he saw happening by ministers. You know, he grew up down south in, in yeah. South Carolina. So there were many of these, you know, country ministers and, and healers and uh, many uh, even root workers and what have you. And he saw these things happen and it always intrigued him. It's like, how are they doing that? Uh -huh. And then as he studied them, he came to see, for example, that, okay, they are identifying with the Christ consciousness and that ability to heal. They're taking that seriously and taking that upon themselves and working miracles thereby. So he studied, he practiced, he drew upon mm -hmm. that power and again, deployed it for the benefit of people who needed healing. So at the United Palace, for example, I, I saw people would come in wheelchairs. He would lay hands on them, sing, pray, but also have the congregation focus their mm -hmm. powers, right? The God force within them toward this person. What this does, this part of the technology of this is that it creates a field mm -hmm. where all things become possible, right? Mm -hmm. When two or more gathered in my name, there I am in your midst and everything is possible. And boom, you constellate the field and you precipitate the miracle because it suspends all of the BS limitations and the stories of why not and the, the sickness, which is lack of wholeness. In that moment, that person who's receiving the healing can reclaim their fullness and they're whole, wholeness and, and get the download, you know, that's waiting for them. And my father was the first to say that I'm not doing the healing. It's the power of Christ. It's the God force. It's the source moving through me and awakening that same source and force in that person so they can claim their power and ability to be whole. It's touching the hem of the garment. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So he, so he, so he developed this, this ability. It wasn't like he was just born with it. He actually studied and developed. Right. So like he's 14 years old and is out preaching every night, six, seven nights a week and starting at six in the morning. And wow. the little churches would only in down in the Carolinas, you go from one to another, would only have room. Xavier can correct this if I'm wrong in numbers, but 50 or 100, 200 seats at the most. People would be hanging out the windows because we're talking about a, a warm climate. 
And he would come in on stretcher sometime with tuberculosis, get healed, cancer, get healed, alcoholism, get healed, drug abuse, get healed. And and then by the time I was at, at United Palace, where he had 5,000 people sending in energy and coming, expecting to get healed, our biggest chapter in this book, everyone's got to read, especially now, given we're in a time of COVID-2 and all that garbage, is that your mind, you got to take control of your mind to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. So our second biggest chapter is on supernatural healing. And yes, my opinion, he, I watched him as supernatural healing. People come in on crutches and he'd break them and he'd hang them on the wall get them well and never to be sick again because if back to the image if you have a healthy image and what he saw is he saw the divinity of health mm-hmm. and sick people mm-hmm. he didn't see him as sick because if you see him as sick you leave them squandering in in their due whereas if you take them out of that and back to what i said escalate and and elevate and ascend and resurrect their soul and go to their cellular level like what xavier was saying and they you can change every atom, every cell, everything, because thought changes it. Now we know that in biochemistry. My wife is an epigeneticist. She can do it. I mean, all of us can do it. And that's why Christ said, the works I've done, you can do in greater works. And, and you call it miracles. And a miracle, Einstein said it so well. I wrote a book called The Miracles in You. And, and I, the first line was Einstein. And he said, either everything's a miracle or nothing's a miracle. I believe everything's a miracle. And it, because Ike taught me that the God is in us, the per, the presence and power of God in us does the work. Once you attach that with a whole group of people that are believing that, that have resonant frequency, to use what Xavier correctly said, I hope that doesn't overcomplicate this for the listeners out there. But if you get amongst the believers, you either believe yourself up to health or you believe yourself to stay sick and, and lowly. And he wanted everyone to be healthy, prosperous, rich. Get out of the do. I believe poverty only belongs in one place, a museum. And that's what Reverend Ike would, he would agree with that. I'm quite confident. Mm. What about someone who, and this, you know, Xavier, Mark, this, this is fascinating. It's just so, um, I feel very at home and a real resonance because as I'm hearing you speak, <laughs> as I'm hearing you both speak, and Xavier, as I'm hearing you speak, I'm like, it's how I grew up too. You know, people would come to see my father on a Sunday and somebody would come in in a wheelchair and he would say, well, why are you in this wheelchair? Well, I'm sick. He goes, you're not sick. Stand up. Well, I haven't walked in five years. Do you, do you believe that the power of God is inside you? Yes. Then why are you sitting? Why the hell are you sitting down? Stand up. And this would go on for about one or two minutes. And my father was so, he, he so saw the divinity in someone, the truth of who someone was, that that was his reality. And when that person was able to sort of open to that, boom, it would happen. That 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 miracle, so to speak, would happen. The reality would be revealed. So now I'm curious. Someone might be listening and saying, well, I didn't heal, or my mother or my father died from cancer, and the healing didn't happen. And so why does it seem like for some people the healing happens, for some people the healing doesn't happen? Is there? Is it that they're not believing enough and aligning enough with the truth? There's some disbelief inside of them. Is there some element of karma, destiny in that, or can anyone heal no matter no matter what? I believe that it's one hundred percent based on willingness, and that when we are willing we will enter into that resonant state that you're just mentioning, that your father was able to bring people to. See, the law of resonance says you bring two objects in proximity with each other. A couple things, a few things can happen. Object A will raise to the level of object B. Object A will bring object B down, or they'll meet somewhere in the middle. It's like you have a choice, you, and we have to be willing to let all of our excuses and investments in the past and the way things were, we have to be able to, as your book says so wonderfully, surrender yeah. to the possibility, to everything that is there for us. So to bring it down to just a, a practical example that we all know, and at the same time, bringing it back to this idea of the image, the I image, the image and likeness of God that we are and the images that we hold of ourselves. We cut our finger 
it bleeds. We put a Band-Aid on it. Three to seven days, it's good as new. Why is that? That is because there is, there's an image, the normal healthy image of my finger is not bleeding and cut. There's a normal template or pattern for my finger that I know when I cut it, it's going to be okay in a matter of a few days, right? What's the difference between that quote unquote unmiraculous healing of my cut finger and someone healing from a larger, bigger condition? There is no difference. It's only the image that I'm holding of my finger. I know it's going to be normal again. But somehow, if I catch some disease or something, I fall prey to these images that other people and, and others in the world have told me that, that what this means. Mm. And I surrender my God power. I surrender the true image that I am one with God. And in that oneness with God is wholeness. So I need to reclaim that image of my wholeness. When I do that, I become willing to be healed. That can happen in an instant, or that can happen in a few days. It can happen in a month, however long it takes for me to become willing. Willingness. Willingness is a key. Beautiful. Beautiful. I want to just touch, I have a few more questions. I want to touch on this whole sort of moving out of scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, are, there th- are there things that people can do to, to, to move out of scarcity mindset? Maybe, Mark, Mark, you can lead with this one. Absolutely. Well, first of all, if you go back to even the chapter of Mark 4 through 7 uh, in the Gospels, we're talking Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? But what Jesus is talking about the parable is that you're supposed to be exponentially productive. Mm. It's not just Mark Victor Hansen is supposed to do two billion at retail and a billion licensing, and I'm still going at 76 years old. I'm going to live to be 127 with options for renewal, and I'm doing better than I've ever done. So, uh, with my wife and family and kids and all that and grandkids. So, the, the point is, what he said is you're supposed to get a 30, 60, or 100 fold, but you've got to be productive. And it doesn't say you stop being productive because you made 100,000 or you made a million or you turned 52 mm. or 65 or 72 and a half. All those are arbitrary. Spiritual law is it, all the days of your life, you're supposed to do three things. What he says, you're made in the image and likeness of God. Therefore, you got three C's. You're supposed to create because God created and you're made in the image and likeness of the creator. Therefore, you and I are here to create and you're here to create your way out of scarcity. There's no scarcity in universe. We have a hundred billion planets just in our little galaxy. I mean, for the, one of my partners, a guy who wrote The One Minute Millionaire with is an astrophysicist, uh, Bob Allen and, and Bobby. Mm-hmm says, hey, wait a second, you got to understand that there's the infinite's infinite, and you and I are made in the image and the likeness of the infinite. There, so we're infinitely mm-hmm. created. We're supposed to uh, contribute, and then we're supposed to be charitable, which Reverend Ike taught charity. I never got it. I wrote a book called Miracle of Tithing. Businessmen say, what's a miracle of tithing? And I said, you haven't been tithed enough lately. <laughs> it, it, it says there's five T's. The first one is you got to be thankful in advance. That's what people don't get. They don't go back and read the Apostle Paul that says God is always saying yes and amen. You can go back and look it up in your uh, Funk and Wagnalls, your Google, your sorry. And it says God always says yes and amen. You go, wow. But he says yes and amen. You start with giving your thinking, then your time, then your talent, then your treasure, and then you get to abundance. When Jesus took the shortage of fish and bread, at two, there's two, there's a 4,000 time he fed group and had seven baskets left over. Then he fed 5,000, had 12 baskets left over. The big guy was never into shortage. Right. He was the lack. And the movie that's out now that I just adore is it's on Netflix and Prime. I'm not trying to sell anything except say The Chosen really shows how difficult it was in the life of Christ. So this guy didn't have an easy go. He had a lot of rejection, a lot of resistance, a lot of withholds. But when the masses showed up, there was no McDonald's. There was no fast food. There was nobody coming with food. This little kid is a little fish and breath. He's thankful, the big G, and then feeds everybody and has baskets left over and says, boys, go pick it up. We don't waste anything in this universe. And and I'm part of a couple of companies that recycle everything now, like the Remining Corporation of America. We're doing all the garbage dumps, taking metal to metal, glass, glass, water, water. There's no shortage of anything. That's the. Let me go to the macro 
Because my teacher, Bucky Fuller, said you always go deductive, general to specific. Unfortunately, our school system only teaches brain, and it goes specific to general. Right. Like went macro to micro. So uh, it, it big to little. And if you look at the big, then you say, hey, wait a second. There's more than enough for me. It's not how big a piece of pie I'm going to get. How big can we make the pie? We're all mm-hmm. here to make the pie better. That's why I love being on your show again and again, because you're willing to say, hey, wait a second. You and I are not in common. Well, you got a book. I got a book. We're competing. No, <laughs> there's there's eight billion people out there, and there's going to be more tomorrow. And God bless all of them for reading all of this, because books are the most inexpensive, wonderful leverage value, and everybody's got to be deep into personal development, which is what Reverend Ike really got everybody to do. Millions of people in America, you've got to be studying, reading a book a week, I think, and a book, a biography like his once a month, minimum. Wow. Xavier, can you talk about anything uh, your father said about moving out of scarcity consciousness and any things people can do? Yeah, you know, um, you know, scarcity is the sense or the belief that there's not enough. Mm -hmm. So I'll speak for myself first and, you know, look to nature. When I look to nature, I do not see scarcity. Right. I see abundance. Yes. And I am part of nature. You know, the mother is our earth. Mm. She's our physical source. She, she, we walk upon her every day of our lives. She never lets us down and she provides everything we need if we let her. Mm. If we take the example of nature, mm. the abundance of nature, and if we truly enter our prosperity by inhabiting our bounty, there will be no scarcity. Look to nature. The idea that there's not enough for everyone, it's a misbelief. It's a false idea that has been constructed for, I think, maybe for nefarious reasons so that certain sets in society can gain control of resources Mm -hmm. and make you believe you don't have enough. So you have to then think you have to go to them to get what you need. Mm -hmm. My dad always said, I'm a child of the king. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And he took that seriously. And he always taught people that God provides an abundance to everyone who will receive it, who will simply allow it. Now, as I was listening to your uh, book on surrender and also doing my work, you know, as I say, with the breath, this powerful image came to me that I've been using now for, for a while. I'm sitting on the earth and it's raining and I'm in my, you know, my butt is firmly planted on the ground. My, my palms are facing up. It's raining. And the metaphor for me is receiving life the way the earth receives the rains. Mm. There's no struggle. There's no forcing. The only force involved there are forces of nature. Gravity is assisting the gentle fall of this rain. If I can get into the place of receiving life the way that the earth receives the rains, there is no lack. There's no limitation. There's no scarcity. We are here to receive the bounty of life. Now we we get limiting beliefs and ideas from different places that interpose themselves between ourselves and our divine birthright. So certainly part of coming into abundance is, you know, as Mark was saying, has to do with learning how to dissipate those things and clear that clutter so we can reclaim, you know, what's, what's really true about us and what's truly there for us. That's what my dad was trying to do. Help Mm -hmm. us reclaim our divine birthrights. He would always say that abundance is your divine birthright. Don't let anybody get in between that and you. (laughs) That's giving your power away. Don't take your power back. Mm -hmm. We all give our power away in various forms, you know, but it's time to take it back. And I would say, if we're going to survive as a planet and as a species, we're going to survive as a species and not take nature down with us, we have to take back our power. Mm. How important is, um, Mark, I heard you mention tithing. How important is, is tithing in the process of, of abundance and generating prosperity? Is, is it a must? Is it mandatory? 
It does it help? What does it do? What did Reverend Ike say about it? Well, first of all, he said giving is the grantor of receiving and guarantor of receiving. And it's true because you got to give a breath before you can take a breath. Everyone says, well, I'm going to breathe all I need to breathe. You take <laughs> the breath you want, you try to only pass out. So we've got something to give you. And I'm glad you brought that up. RebIkeBook.com. We got free, free great gifts for each and every one of you. R-E-V-I. Book, B-O-O-K.com, R-E-V-I-K-E, book.com. And we'll give you some gifts because we think you are deserving of knowing this. If you don't have two cents to rub together, well, that's a crime because every one of you has probably gone through a lot. And if you're 50 or 60, you've gone through a million dollars. If you just Mm. were earning 20,000 a year times 50 years, that's a million bucks. If you weren't saving 10% and tithing 10% to whatever your spiritual source is, uh, you've missed the program somehow, and, and you've cheated yourself and you've cheated God because you've been less than your divine self. And that's what Reverend Ike said, is that you got to live up to your 100% potential in all seven areas of your life. You're not just in one area, all I got to do is have money. No, no, no. You're a spiritual being before you're a mental being before you're an emotional being before you're a physical being before you're a financial being before, you know, humma humma. And and what he tried to do is say, hey, look, tithe, but know who that you're giving to causes that are going to do great work with it, like he did. And he obviously did phenomenal work, not only here and in Africa and around the world. Revikebook.com. Folks, yep. you heard it. There's some, gifts. There's, there's some gifts there for you. Final yep. question, Xavier, I want to pose this to you. Maybe, Mark, you'll have, have a response. I'm curious, Xavier, from your experience, is there anything growing up as a son that you would f- feel was, what would people least expect about Reverend Ike? Because we see, you know, we, we, we see, I mean, this man was dressed to the nines, man. I mean, he had a bow tie, Rolls Royce. I mean, I loved it as a as a ten year old. I'm like, I want to be like that. And I mean, he 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 and and he was unapologetic. He just owned it, you know. And so, was there anything that we would kind of like least expect about him? And let me pose another question in there. And was there a favorite memory that you have that stands in your when you think of him now that stands in your awareness? And maybe Mark, you have something as well. But let's start with you, Zay. Yeah, well, <laughs> one thing that it and it did come through on his, uh, you know, in his tremendous speaking. And I wish, you know, I had gotten clips to you sooner. I mean, yeah. I sent them after the fact. Yeah. But next time, we're going to invite myself back. I'd love <laughs> to show clips so that people can see yes. him in action, you know, the dynamism of his, his preaching. But he had a wicked sense of humor. He always made me laugh. Even when I was in those places of, oh, dad, uh, uh, and we were, you know, butting heads and I'd be arguing with him about something, he would say something that would just cut me to the quick and I would just lose it and laugh. <laughs> just so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really appreciated his amazing sense of humor. Wow. And, you know, one of the, my favorite memories of him that I share in the book is him in Egypt. We traveled to Egypt. And we were able to get him up on a camel. Wow. <laughs> see him up on a camel, teetering around, <laughs> clutching his money bag and the pommel of the, the thing at the same time was just, oh, I was almost rolling around in the sand laughing, but it was so funny. He was so angry at us for getting him up <laughs> on that camel. But it, what I loved about it, it, it was something that was took him completely out of his comfort zone, but yes. he did it. Yes. You know, and I, I loved when he would do stuff like that. And we would go on drives, uh, for example, on the Oregon coast. And that was a very cherished time for me, just, you know, father and son. And we would just pull into a little inn and, uh, you know, admire the beautiful coastline, you know, like abandoned by the sea where these huge monoliths just shoot up out of the, uh, out of the, right out of the beach there. And we would go walking and hiking through them. And yeah. Wonderful times. Beautiful. Mark, I know you, you said you spent a lot of time with him. Was there, was there a favorite memory or something that, that comes to mind that? Yeah, we're doing a uh, prosperity seminar down San Diego and afterwards we're at dinner and, and fortuitously he'd been through the 
Solomon exhibit in in New York, and I've been through the Solomon exhibits uh, in Anaheim, California, and it was just it was mind blowing that we both saw that Solomon was the richest guy of all time. So, and here he did what the Abraham Accords are trying to do, and now are getting goofed up. But bottom line is, what Solomon did is, as a Jewish guy, made twenty two Arab countries all work together. He had twenty thousand ships, Phoenician ships at Tyre, T Y R E. He had 12,000 chariots going out doing business every day all the way to London, which is sort of a mind blower to me. Mm. And like he and I talked about it, saying that this is the greatest guy ever. And then he was so impactful in his time as the wisest man of all times, probably, because he asked God for wisdom. And what Reverend Ike alluded to was Reverend Ike said, I spend my full time asking for wisdom. And it's only when Xavier and I did this book that I remembered that. And I thought, holy cow, that's the prayer. The prayer of prayers, and I'm, I'm writing it up to do a whole YouTube on it, is mm. each of us is supposed to live in, a, live, move, and have our being in a state of wisdom is what we talked about at, at a lengthy uh, dinner that went on for hours with good wine. It was just, and a little champagne, but it was just so exciting because here's a guy who'd just been through the same exhibit I had been, but I'd been with my minister out in California at that time and our my friend, a rabbi. Uh, who's still a great friend, and it just is a mind blower that that he'd seen exactly the same thing and had the same thought that, you know, wow. here's and and it's still touring. So if anyone out there gets a chance, you want to see the Solomon exhibit touring from the British Museum. It just it is it will change your life because here's the Queen of Sheba spent six months on back to his story about a camel crossing huh. the desert three thousand five hundred miles which is a thousand miles longer than America from LA to New York is only 2,500 miles and in bringing purportedly 4,000 people to see Solomon. And that, that is like when you show up in a town with 4,000 people back then you were it because there are only 50 people in the little cities. And then, you know, Solomon was ready for him though. Evidently got wow. forward messages. Beautiful. Well, this has been a, a beautiful episode, powerful episode, lots to think about. Um, Reverend Ike, the book. Where can people find it? And where can also people get in touch with you, Xavier, and you, Mark? Yes, the book is on Amazon. As Mark said, you can go to revikebook.com and you can get it and also get the gifts that we, we offer. You can find me at uh, revikelegacy.com and also xaviersoulstreams.com. Mark. And, um... I own now MarkVictorHansonLibrary.com, where we're the probably the fast-growing ghost writing company in the world. But uh, you can also find a book. Curiously enough, we're doing so well. We're at Target and we're at Barnes and Noble, wow, wow, wow. and Walmart, and it just you know it's really exciting for Xavier and I to see book sales going crazy at places like Target. I mean, it just you know it's like that minister who's having trouble remembering stuff, and he said, and Adam married Eve. And they bought their clothes Tarjay. <laughs> it just it's such a joy. And and he and Xavier's right. Reverend Ike had a not a good sense of humor, he had a phenomenal sense of humor because I believe, and I think Xavier will go along, it's only really smart people that have a good sense of humor. But God gave all of us a sense of humor, but you got to work on it to have it manifest. Amazing. I think this would make, I don't know if you guys have thought about it, but uh, Xavier, I think it would make a hell of a movie. Um, I could see, I could see, I could see a Netflix, Netflix movie brewing. I Absolutely. can see. If you can help us make that happen, we are both willing to roll up our sleeves and, and help you. Okay. Let's, yeah. let's, let's manifest it. Cause I can Limited see it. series. I can, I, I can see it for sure. Gentlemen, it's been amazing. Folks, this has been an amazing episode. Uh, Reverendnightbook.com. Definitely go to Amazon and put, and get this, uh, incredible book. I've ordered it myself and I'm actually waiting for it to be delivered any day now. And I'm looking forward to diving in. Reverend Ike has had a huge impact on my life and uh, I'm sure he will on yours as well. Send this episode to anyone in your life that you feel would benefit and send me an email, kublaxon at kublaxon.com. I'd love to hear your key takeaways from today's special episode. Until next week, love now. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more 
and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.